the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. I am joined by a freaking legend today. This guy has done it all. He's a former UFC middleweight champion. He's a current vice president and CEO of One Championship. He is a UFC Hall of Famer. He is my future best friend, the king of Cincinnati. I am joined by Rich Franklin. This guy has really done it all. I mean, you look at his career of just what he was able to do in UFC at the height of his career. Guy used to be a math teacher. He had his own clothing line. He's starred in some movies. There's really not much that this man has not done. I actually could have picked his brain on a million more other things. Uh, So we're going to have to have a repeat with him. I like when there's a guest that I'm like, I got to have this person back on because I didn't even get to nearly like half the things that I really want to talk to them about. So expect him back on at some point. This is a man that was referred to as Angry Jim Carrey by Joe Rogan at one point. And he looks that much like Jim Carrey, maybe a little more like back in the day. Maybe. I don't know. I was trying to analyze it during this interview. Catch this interview of me hanging out with Rich, but also he came on to promote, of course, as uh, the vice president and CEO of One Championship. One X is taking place on uh, Saturday, March 26th. This is an insane card. There's 20 fights in total across four different disciplines. Uh, you guys can catch the live version of this from 1 a.m. Eastern time until 8 a.m. Eastern time. That's all at watch.1fc.com. Then at 8 a.m., the pay-per-view will be starting. So you guys can move on over to that and, and catch that because the, the main event is unbelievable. It's Angela Lee defending her Adam Waite World Championship against Stamp Fairtex. And then for the co-main event, listen to this one. It's Demetrius Johnson versus Rotang in a special rules super fight. The first and third rounds are contested under Muay Thai rules and the second and fourth round contested under MMA rules. All three-minute rounds, one-minute breaks in between. Crazy stuff. Really, really cool. But I get into it all here with Rich uh, talking about the card, about who we should be keeping eyes on. 
the story behind Stamp. This chick is so fascinating. I cannot wait to see this fight between her and Angela Lee. They're both incredible. Angela Lee just had a baby. Like, I think her baby's only a couple months older than Nora from when I had her. I mean, you guys can actually go back and listen to that interview too if you wanted to get a little more one championship in your life before this, uh, before the pay-per-view takes place. Uh, so give that a listen, Angela Lee, on the sessions. But right now... We've got on my guy, Rich Franklin, talking all things rich, talking all things one championship. Let's get into it. Here he is. Dare I say that this right now is the beginning of our budding best friendship. The universe has kept us apart. Up until now, I'm not a man that deals well with rejection, and like I've been tried, I've tried inviting you and your husband to dinner at least three times now. You literally live 25 minutes from my house. Where are you actually right now? We're like 10 minutes from the market. I'm in Westchester. Edit that out too. Well, actually, it's not that hard to figure out. Like, if people know roughly the city you're in, they they can they can look your address up. It's it because it's it's all public record. I know. So, I mean, that has happened to us before. So, but we put our house in our, uh, whatever. Yeah. in the trust. Um, but it's somehow people still find it, but I'm always like, when I like take a picture, I'm like, Oh, should I not? I don't know. Who cares? Whatever. I used to do that stuff years ago. Like when I was at the height of my fame, I would have people that would call my home and I'm like, how'd you get this number? And there would be like a website that puts like personal information on the website. So I would go, but it's like fighting a Hydra. The moment you kill one, you know, you block it because there was like these other websites that you could block that stuff. Another one will pop up. John's been getting that a lot lately, actually. It's weird. Very disturbing. Now that I've kind of like, I'm not like the hot thing anymore. People kind of leave me alone. And they see me at the store and, and it's just a handshake and man, big fan. And that's about it. Enough to make you feel good. Do you like that better? Oh, way better. My manager said to me many years ago, he said, you're the most famous guy I know that works really diligently at not being famous. Fortunately for me, I competed in the UFC at the time when they needed like that boy next door, apple pie eating, bring home to mom kind of guy that I, you know, I was a high school teacher. I'm intelligent. You know, they marketed all that stuff because they needed it because mixed martial arts wasn't widely accepted at the time. I don't think I could survive in today's world where essentially you have to be an attention whore and you're out on social media. And every time I make a post on social media, like I'm in the gym sometimes and I'm recording workouts and I'm like, my God, like where did the days go where you're like, get that camera out of here. We're working hard, right? It really doesn't phase how intense my workout is. But at the same time, it's just like, man, I'm just one of those like purists. And so all that kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, I could, I could just do away with it. And so I think I tasted enough fame to realize I really, really don't like fame. I'll have people come up to me and they'll say things like, man, really appreciate all the entertainment you gave us on a Friday night. Or this is my favorite. Like when somebody says to me, hey, I really appreciate you like being a good role model for my kids or standing up for your faith, your Christian faith or whatever. When people say those kinds of things to me, I'm like, rock on, man. Like then I, I did the right thing because we just live in this world today where it's very difficult to look to athletes as role models at times. Anyone that has a bit of a spotlight on them, it's like you're kind of looking to everybody for answers and for direction on, you know, anything, whether it's, um, 
you know, politics or whatever. I feel like you're looking to anyone with a spotlight on them, which is definitely not the right way to go about it. Like I never post about stuff like that. Cause I'm like, I, that is not my space. That is not for me to like really chime in on. So I always kind of lay low with that. But did you ever have a bad experiences at like the height of your fame? No. I mean, I always say this, you know, Jesus, he only had 12 friends and one of them was a hater. Right. And he was perfect. Like you can't satisfy everybody. And in that sense, like I would have people that just hated me. I don't know. Maybe like I beat up their favorite fighter or something. I don't know. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But not really. I always I always had a good following. At one time, I was fairly fluent in Portuguese. And so when I fought Vanderlei Silva the second time in Belo Horizonte, when I went down to Brazil, my Portuguese was quite rusty and I'd practiced for like the month leading up to it. And by the end of the week, I was down there almost doing full interviews in Portuguese. And people were like, wow, this is amazing. And in that fight, I remember like uh, in, in that fight, like they were like chanting when I walked out, kind of like they, they, they like Va Morera, which means like you're going to die. Oh and my God. yeah, that's like that's like their version of USA, USA. And they're chanting that. And it's just it's just what they chant. Like, I, I guess it's probably like, I don't know, stems from like soccer matches where referees mess up calls or whatever. But he and I went through such a war that by the end of that fight, it was like my Rocky Four moment where you gain the respect of the locals. And even walking around afterwards, like I've always just, I've always had a good reception from fans. I've always, not to say that there isn't a, a negative experience here and there, but overall, man, I've, I've had some of the best fans in the world. People are just really, really behind me on things. So what was it like for you when you were finally coming to the decision to walk away from the octagon? I was reading your piece that you wrote for the Players' Tribune and it was a conversation with your mom. Well, I mean, I had plenty of conversation with my mom. Did you read the retirement letter that I wrote? Yeah. 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 That's, that's the tough part because people ask you all the time, like, hey, do you miss fighting? I'm like, yeah, I miss fighting. Like, obviously, that feeling of having your hand raised and walking out to the arena, it's intoxicating. And I always tell people when you break the curtains, I'm getting chills. Literally, I'm getting chills talking about this. Like when you break through that curtain, you know, those lamps that they that were like really popular in the 70s and 80s where you could touch the, the, the bulb and the little electric things would follow your hands around. That's what walking out to the arena is like when you walk out. It's like you can feel the energy in the air like that, just like that lamp. And it follows you. And that's a very, a very addicting feeling. Truly, it is. And having your hand raised. But I mean, make no mistake. 10 minutes prior when I'm sitting in the locker room, literally about to piss my pants, praying to God, please let the lights go out or something. And then you get your hand raised. And then the moment you get your hand raised, you're like, man, I want to do this again. But when I'm asked if I ever wanted, like, would I ever fight again or do I miss it or whatever? I mean, the answer is yes, I, I absolutely miss it. But that's not the thing I miss. What I miss is, and I wrote about this in my retirement letter, is that when you get ready for a match, it's like a general that is uniting his troops and everybody stands behind you. It doesn't matter if it's your training partners, if it's your coaches, if it's your friends, family members, or just fans that don't know you. I mean, everybody plays their role. Like guys show up to train with me when they're injured. My family would move holidays because I was cutting weight. Like everybody has a piece of that. And when you go out and win, everybody owns a little piece of that victory. And then, but when you lose, everybody suffers a piece of that defeat as well. I mean, the Bengals just lost the Super Bowl here. I, I, I don't know how many people in this city. How did you deal with that? How was that on you? I was okay. Because if you rewind the clock to the beginning of the season with the Bengals, we were never expected to like do that. So the fact that we went to the Super Bowl and the fact that we have a young team, 
man, if we can get some linemen, protect Joe Burrows, like th- we have, we have a runway. We really have a runway where we could, we could possibly build a dynasty. So even though we lost, like we played a great game, man. And the fourth quarter there, when they were inside the 10 yard line and Los Angeles had like, I don't know, 10 tries on the goal. Like it was like, oh, I don't know, holding half the distance to the goal line, automatic first down. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Another personal foul, like four more downs. Like how, how many times can the defense stop them? Like it was just inevitable at that point. And so you kind of, you're just watching it just melt in front of you. But, um, I was still excited. I'm like, man, they played their heart out. So it was a great season. I'm, I'm amped for next season, for the potential of next season. Hey, guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports. Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport and easier every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. You are the king of Cincinnati. Born, raised, stayed here. You've got your day here. You've got, you've got, do you have a key to the city? No, I don't. I don't have a key to the city. I, I think I think I just need like a, an agent that would push for that or something. There's there's a day here. I got I got a day in the city. I know February 26th, right? If you say so. I barely remember my birthday at times, Renee. I'm fairly confident in it being February 26th because <laughs> I was I was like doing my research for this interview and I was like, John, he has a day because John feels like because now he's back in Cincinnati that he's like the the prodigal son has returned. But yeah, I'm like, dude, you're being beat out big time here by Rich Franklin because you've you've got this city locked down. You have like you have uh, you have Aaron Pryor and then and then like what other champions are there in the city? Right. Pete Rose. Pete kind of got ostracized. That's questionable, right? I don't know. I have my opinions on that. And I don't I really think that the reaction to Pete on this entire thing is a bit harsh. But when you look at what that man did in baseball, it's just amazing. Give the man his flowers. Um, why do you love Cincinnati so much? I mean, you like I said, you were born here, raised here. You went to college here. You were teaching here as well, right? Like You've always just been in Cincinnati. Well, first of all, it's my home. And secondly, you know, having gone through my career and you see the way that the city reacts to that, it was, um, you know, that was a, it was a big deal here in Cincinnati and, and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I was like, I'm on the news every other week. If I'm not fighting, people are talking about my last fight or talking about something. You know, one of my biggest disappointments was uh, fighting Anderson here the second time at U.S. Bank and losing that match. That's your childhood Cinderella story, right? And when you come up short, it's like, oh, God, man, like that was my my one chance to do that. Now, thank God, at least I did win a fight in Ohio because I fought in Columbus one time and, and won that match. So I, at least I'm 500 in Ohio right now. But the city was just really receptive. And that was at a time when MMA wasn't highly valued or accepted. John McCain was referring to it as human cockfighting. And so being in Ohio, this is a conservative place. Cincinnati is a conservative town. And so for people to really embrace something like that early on in the sport, I think speaks volumes of the people here. And then of course, you know, why do I love Cincinnati so much? I mean, this is it's this kind of lifestyle. You know, I spent four and a half years living in Singapore. I've spent a couple years living in LA at one point, spent a couple years up in Seattle. And the lifestyle here, the, the land, the, you know, things like hunting. And, and I, I mean, I'm a true Midwesterner. I like shooting guns. I like hunting. 
I like my ATVs. I like space. I drive four wheel drive vehicles. Like I'm that guy. And when you take me out of that environment, I, I don't know how to function. Get a little cagey. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm either in the gym lifting weights and getting a pump on or I'm outside getting dirty. It's one of the two. Cincinnati is a very underrated city. I had no idea. It's beautiful here. Like, I feel like it's a little kept secret. Oh, it is. And I, so I don't even like talking about this kind of stuff. But Cincinnati, first of all, if you're a family person, it's a great place to raise a family. It's big enough that there are things to do here. I mean, like we have the Aronoff Center so you can go see plays and symphonies. There's there's great art museum here, stuff yeah. like that. Or it's centrally located in an area where you can get to places like, you, I mean, you can get to a place like a Lake Norris or a Red River Gorge to hike, or it's not far from like Snowshoe if you want to go skiing. Now, East Coast skiing isn't the same as West Coast skiing. I'll take I whatever I can get. Right. But like, it's it's a fairly well-located city. And on top of it, I read this stat, and this, this is an old stat, but um, I read this one time like on a plane in a business insider or whatever magazine I was reading. It was like, Cincinnati had more Fortune 500 companies per capita than any other city in the United States per capita. And so there's a lot of work here. And the nice thing I like about Cincinnati is it's, it's big enough to, to have some entertainment and maybe some culture, but at the same time, it's small enough to fly under the radar. And that's, that's what I love about it because I can see the population growth in the last, every time I'm, I'm out, of, out of the city for a little while and I come back, I'm like, man, traffic's getting thicker. It's more and more difficult to cross the bridge. And so- I don't know if Cincinnati is that best kept little secret anymore. I think like I think the you know the cat's out of the bag. Um, I feel like we just uh, did an entire podcast for the um, tourism board of Cincinnati. I'm not even on payroll there. <laughs> Nor am I. Um, how shocking was it for you for that time that you spent in Singapore? For you to go from living in Cincinnati to being transported into Singapore, what did that do to you? And obviously, going to Singapore for one championship. Yeah, well, I wasn't shocked because I had been working for one several years prior to moving down there, right? I mean, I think I'm coming up on either eight or nine years with the company now. But either way, I had worked for them for several years and I traveled in and out of uh, Singapore and just Southeast Asia in general. And I've done quite a bit of travel. I've been to about 65 countries at this point. So being out of the country, I'm not really shocked by things because I love that feeling of like, man, you don't see that every day. And that's what really gets me excited when I travel. But, but that's still different than like oh, living yeah. somewhere. I had actually spent some time in Singapore. Like you spend concentrated time in Singapore. And so going down there, I kind of knew what I was getting into. And for people that have never been to Asia, like, or the people that moved to Singapore, they call Singapore like Asia light because living out of the country, as far as ease, Singapore is about the best place you could possibly live because everything's in English. It's easy to navigate. And as far as the country goes, Singapore is the most organized, technologically advanced, efficient city slash country I've ever been to in my life. Okay. So how was the suit life treating you? I mean, like you said, you've been there eight, nine years working with one, but I mean, as a vice president, CEO, how was that transition and how did that opportunity even come about for you to start working with them? I went down to Singapore uh, years ago and I had actually taught a seminar at Evolve with one of my coaches, with Matt Hume. This was before before I was retired and, and before I started working for them. And when I got down there, I just met the right people and they basically said, hey, if you were ever be interested in a job post-career, let us know. And uh, so then when my career was coming to an end, I was looking like, well, what am I going to do next? And so contacted those people and like, yeah, we would love to have you on board. Fortunately, 
I guess for me or them or whatever, uh, having a math degree, like I'm a very left brain numbers driven kind of guy. So, you know, I've done so many different things for the company and, uh, and I guess with me, it's not, I'm not just like a spokesperson. Like you actually get a real employee when you hire me, you know, because a lot of athletes get hired and people are like, just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. What what do they actually do for the company? But the interesting thing is that when, when one hired me initially, I don't think they really knew how to place me in the company. I was like one of those football players on the, on the field that was like playing different positions all the time. They're Utility like, guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, go do this. Like, we need you to catch this ball this time. Uh, no, this time we're going to give you the ball. And if you could throw it for us, that'd be great. <laughs> and so I did that for a while. And then things started to uh, to they, like they started to kind of like close in. And so for a while, I, I started help setting up their, their merchandising system because I had at one point in time had my own clothing brand. Yeah. But then ultimately, uh, Chatri came to me and said, hey, I want you to. And I was not interested. He said, I want you to run this. I got this idea. It's a travel show. And I want you to travel around and recruit talent. Think of Anthony Bourdain meets MMA. And I looked at him straight up. I was like, Chachri, I don't, I don't have the time for this. Like I got you, I, I'm doing like five different jobs for the company right now. And he's like, nope. That would be such a fun oh, job. It was amazing. And so that ran for about two and a half years, one warrior series. Actually, it was called Rich Franklin's one warrior series. You talked about my studio setup, right? Like I had no clue, not like other than, I, I mean, I've been on a couple of reality shows. I've done a little bit and I ask questions and I'm, I'm definitely a curious person and, and always learning and which is why I like having a podcast. But at the same time, like I'd never run a production crew and he basically was like, go. And I had nobody. And I, so I had to build a team. So I ended up uh, building a team. I had hired four people. These are like my core advisors and with them. And I, I surrounded myself with the right people. And then after two and a half years, like we really, I mean, we, we made a great product. And so we did six seasons of that show. The first four are on, on YouTube and you can tell a difference from season one to season four, but um, man, season five and six, like then we started monetizing it and selling it to different media partners overseas. I always said like, God really looks out for me. I said to myself, when I'm done fighting, I want to be able to travel because all the travel I did while I was in competition, I didn't get to see anything. Then suddenly it's like, well, here's your job. And so my job, literally, I had, I had a team of 15 people underneath me and their job was essentially to just like plan a cool vacation. One episode, we're hiking to some Buddhist temple in the middle of uh, these jungles in Myanmar. And the next time we're jumping off of a waterfall in the middle of the Philippines. And then the next time we're hang gliding in, in, uh, in Australia. And literally, I did all of these things on top of all the MMA that was attached to it, but truly a great job. And then COVID hit, you know, that obviously is a game changer for travel and whatnot. And so now I'm here in the U.S. just working with one's expansion into the U.S. territory. Okay, 1X coming up. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. So the show is March 26th. That's Saturday. And it'll start at one in the afternoon. But that's Asia time. So or that's Singapore time. So in East Coast time, it'll start at 1 a.m. And that's part one. And then part two starts at 5 a.m. East Coast time. And then part three starts at maybe 8 a.m. I'll be commentating on on, on uh, part of this show. And you get to do that all from home. I'm, I'm kind of brought in just uh, for, for audio. So I'll be doing some fight analysis scoring and uh, and whatnot so it'll be pretty cool but have you had to do that from home before when without actually being there that's got to be a bit of a trip 
this week we're running com tests, making sure that did Mansuri set that up? He set it up, but I was working with a with a different producer on it. So, but um, yeah, it'll be and he'll he'll be the one in my ear on on Saturday yelling at me. He's a good guy to have in your ear. Oh, from, I, from Mansuri, experience, you know what the crazy thing is? I like I love Mike. He's awesome. We've never met in person. He's been working for the company and he's down in Singapore now. I was up in New York and like two times I'm going to New York and he's leaving like the day before I get there or vice versa. And so we've never actually met face to face. So your guy's best friendship is also being dodged. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I will say this though. I get plenty of FaceTime with Mike. Like this is the first FaceTime. I've invited you to dinner three times. This is the first FaceTime. Okay, just to clear it up for the people, by the way. So we were scheduled to go to dinner, me, you, and John. Was this the second time or third time? <laughs> I can't even remember it. I can't remember at this point. My heart is so full of rejection. We got blasted with snow so bad. We were ready to go. And then John's mom called and was like, I can't get out of my driveway. It's simply not happening. Um, and then I had to bail on doing this interview yesterday because my daughter got a stomach bug, which then I got. I've not had a stomach bug for like a decade. Oh my God. But I I lived. Did you ever get COVID? I did. I got COVID twice. How bad was it? But the first time I got it was like pretty early on to COVID. So I think I was so freaked out by everything that I was like, oh my God, it was bad. But I just didn't have a fever for any of it. But I had kind of all the other symptoms with it. Did you get it? I had it back um, during Thanksgiving. I've only had it once, but I always thought like, because there are some people, I, I have friends, I have, I mean, I have friends that have been near death with this thing. And I have some friends that are like, yeah, I had the sniffles for like 20 minutes. And I thought I would be that guy. Cause I'm like all organic eating, exercising. Like I'm that guy. Right. So I'm like, whatever, bring it. And then I, I got, I got this thing and it lasted for about 12 days in total. Um, but I had four days in the middle of that where I got hit with every single symptom you can think of simultaneously. Loss of taste, loss of smell, temperature. I had nausea in my stomach. I had this situation with my skin where I remember one night I was taking a shower and I didn't realize I didn't turn on the cold water. It was all hot and I couldn't tell. It was like my skin was numb. But then I crawled into my bed and I was under the covers and the covers on my skin, they, when, when they were like, when they were rubbing me, it felt like it was like somebody was taking like a steel brush and just scraping it like all. Everything hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. And I was just like, for four days, I was like, man, I'm like, Lord, just, just take me like, I'm <laughs> just like, I'm done. The aches and pains were like the worst part for me where I was just like, oh my God, like my elbows hurt, my hands hurt. So brutal. I never had trouble breathing or anything of that nature. I never felt like my life was in danger. It was just like, just miserable. I did have a little bit of like, I got a heavy chest the first time, but I think also, like I said, it's like, because it was early on, I think it was also like a little bit of just like anxiety where I'm like, can I breathe? Can I breathe? Okay. I think I kept like kind of checking myself. Um, Anyways, my stomach bug was not that. It still sucked, but it was not. It wasn't COVID. Thank God. Fight fans, take your best shot with a $150 bonus insight credit guaranteed from FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $150 bonus in site credit on your first bet of $5 or more from March 13th to April 4th. Just sign up with the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get in on this. You don't want to miss it. You can choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. 
And with cash out, the ball's in your court so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the fight is over. So get your $150 bonus in site credit guaranteed. Just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable set credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, so back to 1X because I had to like write this down. So the main event, of course, Angela Lee defending the Adam Waite World Championship against Stamp Fairtech. Did Stamp come off of your show? She did. When I was doing the One Warrior Series, that was my first stop. We went to Bangkok and I was holding these tryouts. And I love telling this story. I tell it all the time. I'm watching two guys try out on the mat. And I'm just watching and I'm watching. I'm like, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden I just hear this like, boom. And it sounded like a cannon went off. And I was like, what was that? Boom. And I'm like, whoa. And I look sideways and there's this tiny little girl just smashing the pads. I knew right away. I was like, this girl, she's going somewhere. And so she was obviously trying out for an MMA show, but her background is in Muay Thai. And there's a really good documentary on Stamp called Buffalo Girls because what ends up happening with a lot of families in Thailand is they will put their kids in competitive Muay Thai, like actual competition at a young age to help earn household income. I mean, there's, there's video footage of her fighting at the age of six, like having been trained. And this isn't like just throw some gloves on some kids. Like these kids are already trained killers in the making. And so it's, it's pretty crazy watching that. And, and I mean, they'll fight for basically peanuts, but I mean, this is a family's ability to put food on the table essentially. So, you know, she had been competing since the age of six and it obviously showed when she tried out. But the thing I liked about Stamp is I remember watching her when she was actually doing the MMA portions, like watching her grappling and I could tell that she was green, but she was in the right camp. And, and you just know when somebody has that learning curve, like I just knew right away. And so she competed for me one time, knocks, uh, I can't remember her opponent's name, but knocks this girl out in like 10 seconds with a head kick. And I think that she was actually just like kind of throwing the kick as a setup and planned on like grappling, like working her MMA game. But then the kick landed and it just pretty much that was the end of it. And uh, one championship immediately was like, no, we want her. So they pulled her because my league was the recruiting league, the Warrior Series, and they pulled her right away. She ended up championing in um, Muay Thai kickboxing. And then later on, now she works her way through the MMA ranks. And the thing I love about Stamp is that she's one of those people where you can see her brain working in, in the circle. She'll try to do things. Sometimes even as a coach, I'm like, man, like you're being too reckless. Like don't go for this move when you're on top side control, like coast this out, pepper this girl, with some punches to the face, like whatever. And she'll give up top side position to go for some submission that she has not yet quite perfected, at least for not for competition. And so you can see this and she, she she'll take risks in matches. 
if I was her coach, I'd be like, listen, you got to, you got to take intelligent risks here. But all that to say, I mean, she came through the Adam Waite Grand Prix and ended up the, the final match against Ritu Fogat, which is one of the best wrestlers we have in one championship, male, female, doesn't matter. She is one of the best wrestlers we have in one championship, and she just has a reputation for smashing people, passing them, and just bashing them. And Stamp ends up beating this girl with an armbar. But you can see this evolution happening over time. And when you look at this matchup with Angela, like Angela's kind of in a similar situation. She's been training since she was six years old as well. Obviously not fighting to provide for the family. So the big question for me here is... Which Angela is going to show up? Has her priorities changed? Is her priority being a champion or is her priority having a a, a baby now? And are those two things mutually exclusive? That really is something that like kind of blows my mind. And when you see women that juggle those things between having a baby, getting back to fighting right away, like, you know, I've been talking to, to Misha Tate about that when she was doing that as well, when she had her when she had, I think it was when she had her son, but, um, yeah, just to get back and like Ronda Rousey came back to wrestling four months after having her baby. I just don't know how their bodies can do that. It blows my mind. Like having a kid and I don't have to fight anybody, but day to day, I'm like, is it bedtime yet? Like I'm ready to shut it down. And for them to be like, no, I'm going to go into train right now is like, get after it girl. But like that, I'm not cut out for that. I had interviewed uh, Bethany Hamilton. You know Bethany Hamilton? Oh, wow. She's fascinating. She's an amazing, amazing woman. She was talking about when they did, uh, I can't remember, was like whatever the the world championships that were in Australia or whatever, for or was it in French Polynesia? I don't know, whatever. But she was in the middle of the competition, literally like surfed one heat, come out, breastfeeding her baby on the boat in between heats. Like this is insane. And I'm just sitting there like- Women are crazy. Women are crazy. We're nuts. Yeah. We take it all on. Yeah. We make it all happen. You got to be fed. You got to be fed. Championships got to be won. Let's go. If the roles were reversed and the man had to take care of all that, like it would be like me breastfeeding for 20 minutes. I'd be like, man, I breastfed the kid today. Like I'm tired. <laughs> like leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I will say at one point, I'm like, this burns calories, right? Great. Here we go. It's a doozy. Um, okay. So you have to finally pick Angela Lee. Or stamp. Who's getting who's getting the W? How can you pick when you don't have all the information, right? Like you're looking at a puzzle without all the pieces. I want a good, educated, Rich Franklin guess. If Angela's been on point with her training the way that she should, then I don't believe that stamp has quite had the time to close the gap yet on the grappling game. I do believe it will be in Angela's best interest to close the gap and, you know, take Stamp to the ground, obviously. But I don't think Stamp's going to be able to keep up on the ground. So if I was a gambling man, like if I had to make a bet, I would probably bet Angela just based on experience. But I'll say this. If Angela's slept at all on her training or she has underestimated Stamp in any way, it's game over because that girl has an exponential learning curve for martial arts. The co-main. I, and like the co-main, this is, you got, you're going to have to spell this one out for me. So Demetrius Johnson versus Road Tang, uh, special rules, super fight. The first and third rounds are contested under Muay Thai rules. The second and fourth round are contested under the MMA rules. Yeah, this is cool. Let, let me take a step back and just say, as an MMA promotion, technically, one, we, you know, they're putting on MMA matches. And then we, Chantry some years ago, they come up with this idea of like, hey, let's do some Muay Thai, let's do some kickboxing. And I was of this mind, mindset of like, I don't come to an MMA event to watch Muay Thai. 
right? Like I, I was not a fan. And, and then, so I was like, I just don't like this idea. And then we had our first event and we had some Muay Thai kickboxing matches. And then I kind of begrudgingly internally walked away. Like I actually like that. And then as time went on, I found myself really looking forward to a lot of these Muay Thai matchups, particularly, I would say for me personally, the Muay Thai matchups more so than the kickboxing because our Muay Thai is done in the four ounce gloves, the, the MMA style gloves, not the big boxing gloves. So these matches are really exciting. Raw Tang won a lot of fans over here stateside when we had our show on TNT last year. He had an amazing match against Daniel Williams. He's just one of those guys that's fun to watch. And so we decided to do this hybrid match. And for me, this is really exciting because it's something different. It's not something that you would see in any other organization. And it kind of gives you this nostalgic throwback to the original days of MMA when it was karate versus judo or jujitsu versus boxing. And so that's kind of what this is. So it's a four round fight, three minute rounds, one minute break in between standard. And the first round is going to be Muay Thai. And the second round's MMA, third round Muay Thai, fourth round MMA. Well, I'll just say this. These Muay Thai strikers on the other side of the planet, they are on a different level of striking completely, a completely different level. The first time I actually worked with a, a, a Muay Thai athlete, his name was Arona Warpechpun, and he and I sparred together. And just from a, a pure Muay Thai perspective, like it was ridiculous how he was always on balance. Every time I threw a kick, I got kicked either before my kick landed or in return two or three more times. And so it's just a completely different level. And with that, I wonder if DJ is going to play the game safe weather the storm for that first three minutes and take Rod Tang into the second three-minute round, or if he's going to come out and actually try his hand at Muay Thai. Because after all, DJ, in my opinion, is probably the GOAT. And if anybody's capable of coming out and putting on a good performance with Muay Thai, it would be him. But in my opinion, the path of least resistance for him would be to not be arrogant enough to play that game with a guy like Rod Tang because this dude is like a miniature little Mike Tyson. And take him into your game. Take him down, get him on the ground, and get that submission. Who else is another fighter that people should keep their eye on? There's so many good matches on this card. I guess the Coco main event is Adrian Marias versus Yuya Wakamatsu. And for those of us in Asia, we knew how good Adriana was. But I think he turned a lot of heads stateside here when he beat Demetrius on the TNT shows last year on the ground. And I knew, personally, I knew that that was not the best matchup for DJ just because Adriano and DJ are very similar fighters. They're both really well-rounded, but Adriano's a lot taller. He had a, a good reach advantage on, on Dimitri. So him and, and Yuya Wakamatsu, the only person that Yuya Wakamatsu's lost to in his like last 10 matches is DJ because they met in a Grand Prix that we had, and he gave DJ everything he could handle. So I look for that match to be really, really, really exciting match. Shin Yaoki versus uh, Sexy Yama. Those two guys really don't like each other. Sexy Yama. What a good name. Yeah. Yoshihiro Akiyama. He goes by Sexy Yama. I like it. Part two of the card, you got like you got Nong Oh, you got Ham Seo Hee. She's fighting Denise Zamboanga. And they actually met in the Atomweight Grand Prix that the one that's the Grand Prix that Stamp won in order to get the shot at Angela. It was a very, very razor close split decision between the two of them. But Ham Seo Hee won that match. But it was close. And so nonetheless, they've got some unfinished business, bad blood there. Uh, so that's uh, that's a match I'm really looking forward to because I would say that um, Zamboanga was probably the favorite to win the Grand Prix, possibly. But I had selected uh, Hamseo He as my dark horse possible tournament winner. So that's going to be interesting. And I think the winner of that match will set themselves up for probably the number one contender position. But then like even on part one of the card, I would say the, the coolest match that we have on that card and it happens to be a grappling match is we have a two division champion, uh, Renier de Ritter, 
and he's taking on Andre Galvao in a submission grappling match. And if you're not familiar with who Andre Galvao is, this guy is like accolades beyond accolades of, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion, just the world champion, Pan Am Games, ADCC, all that kind of stuff. He's just, he's an amazing grappler. I've actually been on the mat with him before. And it was one of those eye-opening moments for me where I learned that there was a whole new level of jiu-jitsu in this sport. Um, so for people that have not watched one before, why should they tune in to 1X to get a little taste of what you guys are doing over there? The thing that I like about one championship is our rule set. We have a slightly different rule set. It's not the actual rules themselves that make it different, but the way that we judge the matches. We don't use a 10-point must system like boxing or like pretty much every other martial arts organization on the planet. We basically judge the fight in its entirety. So the fight is just essentially like one big round. I really like the way that our judging system is. And the way that we judge the matches and our scoring criteria really pushes the athletes for finishes. And so we have a high finish rate in one championship. So you will see, I mean, not only do you just, you just see top-level world talent, but at the same time, you see some very, very exciting matches with high finish rates. Yeah. And what are you going to be calling? What What are you going to be on the call for? I will be probably be doing analyst work and then uh, scoring, like end-of-round scoring. For the whole show? I'm doing part two and three. That's still, that's going to be a lot. You're going to have to like have some tea and some honey next to you. Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm high on life, Renee. <laughs> I, I, who needs caffeine? I got endorphins. I'll just do, I'm I'll just, just saying do some you gotta keep those vocal cords good. Keep things moving. I can I can do this all day long. <laughs> well, I can't wait to watch it. I'm really really looking forward to seeing uh, this card, how it all comes together. Because it, yeah, it just seems really innovative, really really fun, and a lot of badasses over there. It's gonna be a good time. And so after you watch this card. Then you and John can give me a buzz and we can go get that. Well, right. Just so you know, right now I'm actually trying out. I interviewed uh, Sean Baker for my podcast mm -hmm. who wrote the carnivore diet. So I'm doing this carnivore diet right now. I'm about. How's that going? I'm about 12 days in and I don't feel any different. It's just meat, right? Everything is just meat and protein. If you read his book, there's no hard rules to it. I mean, you just, he, he, his belief is that you get all the vitamins and minerals that you need from meat. You don't need anything else. But you can eat whatever else you want, just as long as you have this foundation in animal products. So I'm basically eating pretty much just meat and eggs. And I do give myself like a serving of fruit either before or after my workouts every day, just so I have a little, little, little sugar in my system to fuel me. I'm not living by that diet right now, um, but I'm sure that we can meet in the middle. We'll find something that appeals to both of us. All I'm saying is if you, if you guys uh, still want to grab some sushi at Teak, have you been yet? No, but I pass it all the time. Well, listen, I'm telling you right now, if you guys, after I invited you to that restaurant, if you go eat at that restaurant without me, <laughs> that, like, that so will rude. solidify any friendship that we ever could have possibly had is not happening. Just FYI. We would never. We would never. Um, and I will leave you on this question. Skyline or Gold Star? First of all, I don't ever really eat either of them. Do you know anything about my nutrition? Well, I mean, I do now. Prior to this carnivore diet, like I'm like kale shakes in the morning and and I, and I even still, I, I, I eat tons of meat anyway. Like I'm an O positive guy and I think that meat processes well in my system. So I've always eaten a lot of just animal product. But with that being said, if I was going to cheat, 100% would have to be Skyline. There we go. There it is. But don't pollute your body. Your body is your temple. You got your Cincinnati brands. You got your Jeff Ruby restaurants. You got your Montgomery Inn ribs. You got your uh, Skyline or Gold Star, depending on what you're a fan of. Grater's Ice Cream, Buskin Bakery. I've not been to Buskin yet. They got some good stuff. I've not done that.
You're missing out. I'm on it. Hey, listen, I'm telling you for real. We walk into Teak and they're like, hey, Renee, John, how you guys doing? Man, I will walk right back out of that restaurant. <laughs> I promise you I will save our Teak experience for you. It will be an evening. I'll put on real pants that aren't sweatpants. <laughs> oh, you don't have to that do, means, listen, don't do no, that. Don't do that. No, no, I am. That means I got to put on real pants. <laughs> I got to set the standard with the good pants. No, I'll come down there in my flip-flops and shorts. I'm good with that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Rich, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the sessions. Really looking forward to 1X uh, and then grabbing some dinner later. Sounds like a plan. Stay in touch. Let me know what you think of the show. And uh, after you watch, tell me which your favorite fight was. I will do that. We didn't talk about all 20 matches, but there's so many matches on this card where people are going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that match was on here. Wow, that was an amazing match. I'm really excited to check it out. Also, I... Will say, being a, a mom that's always up early, I like that the fights are at 8 a.m. That's my speed. Give me that all day, every day. Breakfast and pugilism. I got a 4 a.m. production call that day, so I'm like not happy about that junk. No, that's not fun. That's not good. Just pass it all off to Mansuri. He's got it. It's especially not fun when half the time you're working until 4 a.m. because I'm on the other side of the planet. And then suddenly like, oh, well, now we need you to wake up at 4 a.m. So Rough. anyway, but all right, well, listen. Watch the show. Let me know what you think, and we'll grab some dinner. Definitely. Thanks, Renee. A big thank you to Rich for jumping on and joining me. I know our, I feel like our schedules were just, it just wasn't happening for a second. I was sick. Things happened. But we made it work. And I'm so glad that we did. Uh, he's he's a good dude. He's a great dude. I can't wait to actually get to hang out. Um, we'll have to have him over to the house finally go out to this dinner that we have been talking about it's happening and i'm gonna have to follow up with uh with a text message to say what fights i like the most from uh from one x so if you guys are watching hit me up in some tweets as well uh reach out let us all know tag me tag rich tag one championship let us know uh what fights you like the most if there's any fighters that you really have your eyes on some things uh, that you like that are happening over there all right guys this has been it this is the sessions i'll catch you next time 